All right, guys, welcome back. Um, it is November 10th. Uh, opening day of rifle season starts in a couple days. We've been black powder hunting. Um, we're going to jump into tonight. Uh, pretty, let's say, uh, shaky subject, I guess. Um, it's going to be about black powder hunting. And the pros and cons to it. Um, I'm going to talk about a hunt that I had and we got a guest with us tonight. I'll introduce in just a second, but, uh, first let's start off with a prayer. All right. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for letting us get together tonight. God, I just thank you for this time that we're getting to spend together. I pray that you just take this podcast and you take it to the people that need to hear God. I just pray that uh, you just be with everybody through hunting season this year and just thank you for being with us. Uh, just take this in your power from pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks. All right. So I'm going to introduce our guest. Uh, we got Ryan Small with us tonight. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Thank you for joining us. Yep, um, thanks for having me. I've known Ryan for a long time. Bradley's known Ryan. We went to school together. He's another one of the local hunters around here. Um, as we said in our previous podcast, it's a pretty tight-knit hunting community in this area um especially this age group of guys i'd say everybody for the most part we you know we chat quite a bit and we help each other out as ryan helped me out saturday evening on a tracking job and that wasn't very successful but we'll get into that in a minute um ryan's killed some pretty big deer uh, around here and as well as he's traveled and killed some deer and stuff too but uh, anyways, I'm just going to jump into this because this is pretty disheartening for me, um, and it's not the first time that it's happened to me. Uh, so anyways, as y'all know, I've had a buck on camera that I call Wayne. Uh, this will be the second year of history that I've had with him, and he's my number one buck on camera uh, this year. He's been gone since September 28th. That's the last picture I have of him. And anyways, uh, last Saturday, which was the second Saturday of black powder, uh, it was 80 degrees out. And my youngest son, Finley, he said, Daddy, I want to go hunting with you. I really wasn't even planning on going hunting, but... You know, when your four-year-old wants to go hunting, you say, all right, bud, let's go. So anyways, I took him and my dad took my older son and we went hunting. And we're sitting there playing monster trucks in the box stand. I was, I'd even texted dad that night and I said, to be honest with you, I'm not expecting much tonight. I'm just kind of here because Finley wanted to go hunting. So I'm not even really hounding on him to be quiet and to sit still and all that and like i said we were playing monster trucks and it got to be about 6 15 or so and i said all right buddy look we're gonna quiet down just a little bit because this is if we're gonna see something it's it's probably gonna happen in the next 30 minutes or so well 15 minutes later and i'm hunting a cut cornfield 15 minutes later i was sitting there scanning the cornfield and i looked over and there's a rolling hill uh in the cornfield about 200 yards out and i said 
there's two corn stalks that weren't there just a minute ago. I said, Finley, I think there's a good buck over on that end of the field. I pulled my binoculars up, and as soon as I looked through binoculars, he turned his head, and I said, oh, yeah, buddy. I said, that's a good deer. He walked straight up the hill and was coming towards us, but just down the tree line. So he wasn't coming directly at us, but he was closing the distance, more or less. Anyways, I kept looking at binoculars, and I'm like, what deer is that? What deer is that? And within just a couple seconds i could make out that it was wayne and i was i texted dad i said my big buck just stepped out and i waited till he got he's probably about 120 yards and he at that point he really wasn't going to get any closer in the direction that he was going so i was i'd done pulled my gun up and at this time i was watching him through the scope and i was like all right and he and he would stop and he would look over and i think it's because uh finley was sitting on the back of the chair so you could like you could really only see my head in the box stand but finley you could kind of see like his whole top of half of the body and i mean he was doing good at sitting still and everything but that buck he kept stopping and he'd look at us well the second or third time that he stopped and looked is when he was about at 120 yards or so and i was like all right buddy cover your ears i'm about to shoot and he was standing for the most part broadside and I shot, and when I shot, I heard it hit. I heard, I mean, it was it made that good impact sound. And he mule kicked, and he went running out of the field like like he was hurting. And he plowed over two cedar trees, cutting out of the field. And I looked at Finley. I said, "Buddy, we just got him." I texted Dad, and I was like, "Dad, I just shot him." And Dad said, "All right, I'll be there in in a little bit." Because he was hunting at a different property down the road. So me and Finley, you know, we was all pumped up and stuff. I reloaded my gun. And we sat there for about 10 minutes or so. And then we got down and we went back to the truck and waited on my dad and my oldest son. By the time they got there, it would probably been about probably close to 20 to 30 minutes. And uh, it was pretty well dark at this time. So we go down there to where I knew looking in the cornfield wasn't going to do much good looking for blood. So I, I went to where I thought he had went in the woods right away. We started finding blood, which it wasn't great blood at first. It was like quarter size drops. We tracked that for about 40 yards and then he stopped and we found a big puddle of blood, which it looked great. It was good red blood, looked really good. And you could see he stopped there. Well, he turned around, apparently. And about 10 yards from there, I found a bed with blood in it. And I was like, oh, man. But on the flip side of that, I was thinking, that's probably a good thing, though, too. He's hurt pretty dang good for him to try to bed down that early. You know, 40, 50 yards into after being shot. I mean, I figured that's pretty good for him to try to bed down that quick. Anyways, right out of there, I, I could see good blood coming out of that bed. And so I tracked it for probably another, what, 20 yards or so. And then I lost blood. And so I told dad, I was like, let's stop and back out. So I went and took the, uh, took the kids home. Ryan had actually been, I'd been talking to Ryan, texting that evening. He was hunting as well. And I texted him, or I called him, and I told him what had happened. He lives not too far from me. 
And so I'll say, hey, you know, would you mind coming and helping? And Ryan didn't bat an eye, and he was like, yeah, absolutely. So we went back. What time did we get out there? About 9, 9 o'clock? Yeah, it would have been uh, – yeah, it was it was at least 9 o'clock by the time we mm-hmm. really started looking. Um, yeah. I feel like I left my house at like 8.30, 8.45. But, yeah, I mean, by the time we really got in there, it was at yeah. least – Yeah. It, so, it had been a while. Yeah, so it had been a good – Two and a half hours since I from shot. the time you quit looking. Well, yeah, probably about two hours. Hour yeah. forty-five, two hours since I quit looking, and so we um, we go back in. I'd left my hat where we'd found last blood, and I dropped a pin on my phone. We went in, and we actually started finding blood right away again, and tracked another yeah. what 40, 50 yards, probably. Yeah, something like that. And then we lost, then we lost blood. Yep. And we searched around for, we kind of grid searched a little bit. And Ryan ended up stumbling upon. It seemed like an hour. Yeah, exactly. But Ryan ended up. Yeah, Ryan ended up stumbling upon some good blood. And we were like, okay. And from that point, it was real good. I mean, it was pretty much nonstop. It was, there's blood, there's blood, there's blood. Mm -hmm for a long ways and we went through a couple of good bottoms through some thick stuff we got to another field we crossed a creek we went down into some more thick stuff but it, the whole time it was just there's blood there's blood and i was slowly pinning as we were finding blood and stuff well we got to a spot i think it was about 800 yards in to the track job and it was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen tracking a deer. There was just blood and probably a, a 20 foot, 20, 30 foot uh, diameter of just blood everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's, it was, you know, it was, yeah. it was, to me, it was one of those deals. I was like, okay, forget the blood. Where's the deer laying? At? Yeah, exactly. And, but then we found blood outside of that where he had kept going. So we, kept tracking and we kept saying to us through this whole thing we kept saying are we pushing the deer and but the problem was is the blood we were finding was actually dry it was starting to get dry so yep. we knew it wasn't like fresh yeah like you know like the deer wasn't right in front of us plus we never found another bed either uh-uh. no you know where, where the deer would bleed the most it was like he would stop or definitely yeah. slow down oh uh, yeah you know the blood was much richer there, obviously, and um, it hadn't dried down as much. But you could tell when the deer was on the move, and it was like your typical blood trail that I've tracked on your average deer. Um, you know, spottiness, but good blood, but spottiness. It was, uh, it, it was certainly drying up. I mean, it was not like we were. I, I wouldn't even say we were, you know, an hour behind the deer. You know, yeah, so we certainly weren't even pushing. You know, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it, he had been through there long before we got there. Absolutely. You know, that, it, it wasn't like we were pushing him as we were looking and bumping him every 150 yards. I mean, he, yeah. he had been there a long time before we ever got there. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, you know, from the time we picked up on that good blood when me and you split that rock there um, before we really got onto it, it had been another hour or better. Oh, yeah, for sure. At, at, at least. least. So at, yeah. at this point in time, it's it's 10 o'clock that night. Well, because we we traveled, I'd say when you found that other blood, it was probably 
150 yards from where I'd shot it. I'd say probably yeah. somewhere uh-huh. in that area. Yeah. yeah. And so then to yeah, the point from where you shot him, yes. Yeah. And then to the point of finding all that blood, it was 800 yards. And I bet you it didn't take us 30 minutes to, to travel all that. No. Maybe 45 because it was, yeah. it Once was, we got on it. Yeah. Cause it was yeah. literally like, there's blood, there's blood, yeah. there's blood yeah. for that whole way. And yeah, then, then we found all that blood. And like Ron said, at that point, we were kind of like, this deer's got to be right here. Yeah. And then, but then, like I said, we found blood out of there, which it wasn't much out of there. It kind of went back down to drops after that. And anyways, we tracked another 100 yards or so. And the last blood we found was going up a really steep embankment on a tin can. That was the last drop of blood we found was on a yeah. tin can. Yeah, going up an embankment. And I said to Ryan, I said, to be honest with you, Bo, if he's this far in and he's going up a hill, an embankment, it wasn't even a hill. That was an embankment. And he's going up. A, yeah. yeah. I didn't want to go up it. And I'm healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I said, man, I don't feel like he's just going to be dead right on the other side. And yeah. there's another Creek on the other side. And on, on the other side of that Creek, we didn't have permission or anything like that. There was no way to get across that Creek to keep looking but we tracked him to the top of there and it went straight down to that other creek and we looked around he wasn't down there or anything like that and as the best we could tell is that he crossed the creek and at this point it was midnight and i i said to ryan i was like man i was like there i was like we got to call it dude i mean there ain't nothing else to do like we're at a point that we can't go no farther oh yeah yeah, well, I mean, I had walked I had nothing so much at that point in time. If we walked down that embankment to that creek, mm-hmm. if the deer was down there, we had already said, he's not coming out with us anyway. Yeah. And, yeah. and we knew that the deer was not bleeding at that point in time. We would have just been taking a chip shot at walking down there. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, he was not bleeding. He had basically quit bleeding when he went up that last hill. Yep. Um, you know, but – I, I could tell you there there wasn't no way that deer was coming out of there with us. Yeah. You know, no, so what which, it did a bit of good to go down there and look. Yeah. And not in not in the middle of the night. Yeah, exactly. And so anyways, so we come out and we got back to the truck and we talked about it a little bit more. And it was just kind of we were baffled, honestly. Because in that track, when we got on that good blood, I can't tell you how many times we said this deer's gotta be just right up here. Just right up here. Oh, yeah, he's going to be dead right up here. I mean, I bet that was said 20 times at least. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those deals where, like, for me, we were, we were tracking blood, and I would just stop and start shining the light because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, there's got to be a white belly here soon. I mean, Yeah, like, me too. Well, and especially because we kept going through, like, little gullies or little dried-up creek bottoms or getting to some laydowns and stuff. We were like, yep. He's heading straight to them laydowns. Oh, yep. He's heading straight to this bottom. And sure enough, we'd go straight through all that. I mean, he, he went straight through that one laydown. Remember? Because we were like, well, he, there's no way he went oh, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what he did. He either went over or threw it, but uh, he, he did something. He didn't go around it. Yeah. Anyways, I didn't recover a deer. Um. I mean, we gave it 150% for sure. I, that's one thing I will say that I do feel good about is that we we gave it our all to try to find that deer. Um, 
But let's go back to the shot. So 120 yeah, I was yards. I going to ask you about that. Yeah. So first, uh, let me t- let me say this. I'll tell you what I'm shooting. I'm shooting Hornady uh, Sabbats. They got the little copper coated with the red tip on them. Um, so good, good bullets. Uh, I shoot 100 grains of powder. I put two pellets in there um, of the triple seven. Um, and it's a 209 primer and I shoot a CVA wolf. Um, I've, I've killed several deer with it. At the same time, I've also lost another deer with it uh, in the past. Um, I think, honestly, what it boils down to is shot placement more than anything with the muzzleloader. I think 100%. this is what I, which I mean, that goes for anything that you're going to shoot. I mean, it really does. But I think you have to be more precise than what you think. You, th- I mean, My mindset behind it is, is I got, I got powder and lead coming out of this thing. And what I think is that I hit shoulder. Um, and I just think that we didn't, I just don't think I got through the shoulder. I don't think I got through the front shoulder. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought back about it. I mean, I know exactly where the deer was standing. I know that field as good as anybody. Um, it's a long way. I mean, I, I wouldn't even venture to say, be afraid to venture to say that it was more than 120 yards. I mean, it, it might even been 140, 150. I mean, it's a pretty good long way across there. Well, I mean, that would be well, pushing it. But when so, I did the – when I did the little thing on my hunt stand, because yeah. I said at first it was probably like 140, 150. Yeah. But when I did the the thing on hunt stand, yeah. it was like 124. Yeah. What's reasonable. And 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 I I made sure I I went a little extra to to yeah. cover myself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I did the point all the way in the corner when the box stands actually out from the corner a little bit and everything. Um. So I'd say 120 to 130 yards is what I'm say is what it is. I mean, very much within reason for what you're shooting. I mean, that's a very standard, typical. I mean, that's quite frankly, that's pretty much what I hunt with. Other than I hunt with a, a traditions versus a CBA, but it's yeah. 100 grains. I shoot a I shoot a power belt. Um, I used to shoot the Hornaday red tips mm-hmm. exactly what you're talking about out of a different muzzleloader. Um. But uh, you know it's pretty standard setup. Two hundred nine primers. I mean that's just that's just the deal now. Yeah, and I mean I'm a, I'm gonna be honest with you that that muzzleloader it shoots good. It holds good. I mean it's 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 a pretty dang good shooting. I wouldn't want to stand in front of any of them at one hundred and twenty <laughs> yards. No, but I think you know it, with a rifle, you put a rifle in my hand like my two seventy or my thirty odd six. I'm I'm trying to go through that shoulder. That's yeah. that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to go through that shoulder. And I think that that was just in my mind as I put the crosshairs on his shoulder. And I said, we're going to power drive this thing through the shoulder and knock them down. Yep. And I just don't think it happened. Um, yeah. Because it definitely wasn't back. We definitely know the shot wasn't back because it there was no no grain in the blood. None whatsoever. No, but it was, like liver blood or gut blood, by no means. Exactly. Um, I don't think it was really forward because of the mule kick. Yeah. 
because I've I've grazed deer in the in their front before, and honestly, what they end up doing is kind of almost doing like a, you know, uh, what you call it, where they stand up on their back legs more or less. You know, they're going to try to they're trying to get away out of a way of like almost flip over backwards. In a yeah, exactly. Um, I don't think it would have been you know just a bad shot, and I hit it in the neck because it wouldn't have mule kicked off of that either. You know, I'm just trying to go through everything that it could have happened. Um, I, I will say this, too. There's been times that I've taken a shot before, and I've been like, I didn't feel good about that. But when I pulled the trigger on that gun, I felt, which I told you that, Ryan, too. I was like, I felt good. I think I told Bradley, too, when I, when I called him. I said, dude, I felt good. Like, everything felt good. You know. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you've hunted before, you know if like you pull the trigger, you're like, "Oh crap, I might have to be going to look for that one." Yeah, it, you know, you know, if something went horribly wrong, it wasn't on your end of the deal. Yeah, and I know it was a solid hit because I've had people say, "Well, maybe you hit it in the leg." Well, if I would have hit that deer in the leg, it wouldn't have made that loud smack. Yeah, like like it did. Yeah. Um, but I think um, you you mentioned shot placement earlier. Um, I think it's probably more crucial with a muzzleloader on on shot placement um, more so than with a rifle, and you know, oh, yeah. and I would even say with a bow. Um, yeah, you know, I, shoot, I shoot the two blade rages with my bow um, straight and, through the shoulder, and they're they're. I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of one. Um, yeah, you know muzzleloader extends your range but you know there's some negatives to it uh but you know for me i think the ideal shot i don't almost don't like a dead broadside shot with a muzzleloader i mean you have to be so pinpoint accurate and those things can sling them wildly from time to time they can actually like i actually like a shot where the deer's quartering to me just a touch not a lot yeah but maybe 10 to 15 degrees quartering to me um you know because even if you hold it on his shoulder or back on his shoulder, just touch, you're going to catch a lung and you're probably going to catch another vital or two on yeah. the outbound side. Or even if the bullet doesn't technically fully blow out the other side, you're going to catch liver in there too. Um, to me, that's a, uh, that's a pretty safe shot with a muzzleloader. Um, but, you know, I think about it in several ways. Yes. Typically dead broadside is, what you what you really want and when you're hunting but muzzle loaders are vastly different than rifles and so that's why that's why they have yeah that's why they have their own season you know that's right they are a completely different weapon and they don't have you know they don't have the velocity and impact power that you know a 270 or a 300 or a 30 all six does uh they're just in a league of their own and probably not a good league rifles are in a league of their own yeah. uh, but you know if the deer is dead broadside and you're a little high and you're aiming for right behind the shoulder and you're a little high you're never going to find that deer yeah you which know could you're going to hit basically you're going to hit basically nothing yeah which not that could have happened too that could have yeah. been very easily what happened um, but but with a rifle though, if you're a little bit high and hit him in what everybody refers to as no man's land, there's so much shock, shock and impact. Yep. You're gonna bust arteries. You're gonna yep. it's gonna tear stuff up. That deer's gonna die. I mean, I've yep. almost 
I've actually, I'll be honest with you, I've shot a deer in the hip one time with a rifle and <laughs> he didn't go 25 yards. Yeah. And bled but, uh, you know, I, and everybody always got on to me, at, you know, when I was early, I, I hunt with a 300 and they're like, man, you don't need to. I'm like, correct. You're right. I don't need to. If, if shot placement is key and you put it where you're aiming and it hits where you're aiming, you can kill him with a 22 at 150 yep. yards. But that's right. You don't always get that, you know, you know, as well as I do, there's tons of man hours put into hunting these creatures. And when you see them, you see them for 10 seconds. Yeah. We're not, it's not like they're coming out in the field and we're watching these things for an hour and a half. Okay. Now we're <laughs> going to shoot him right now. I mean, it's literally, and I would say realistically in less than 30 seconds, you're analyzing him, you're evaluating him mm -hmm. and you're looking for the right shot all yep. in a short period of time. There's always an exception here and there, but uh, I mean, it happens really quick when it happens. And my thought is, is, you know, for rifles is just hit him, you yeah. know, let, let the gun do the work, you know, yeah. with a muzzle loader, you just have to be so much more accurate and those things, oh, I hate them. You know, I've been prior to your deer, uh, I know of two that, uh, guys shot good, good deer hunters, killed plenty of deer. I mean, know what they're doing. You know, I've seen them bring the meat to the house, horns to the house, whatever you want to call it. 10 times over and back and I wouldn't stand in front of them, you know? Yeah. And same deal with your deer mule kick, just kind of yeah. piled up, you know, both, uh, both guys said, yeah, I got him. Same like you. I like, you know, I got him. Deer, yeah. deer was mortally wounded when he left off. And, um, actually one of them I went on and, uh, there was two guys sitting together and the shooter, very good shooter shot plenty of deer never found it and the guy hunting with him is a season season veteran he was just sitting back watching enjoying the hunt and he even told me he said small you know that deer was mortally wounded when he left here never bled one drop yeah made the same deal impact sound deer curled up punched up mm -hmm. boogied over Power driving with its hind yep. end to get out of dodge. Yep. Never found a drop of blood to this day. Still haven't found the deer. You know, yep. that, that, that's a muzzle loader. And it, it was the same deal as your deal. Um, it was 120 to 130 yards, roughly. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that kind of backs up my deal on a muzzle loader, 100 yards. That's the max. Yeah. You know, if it's a Boone and Crockett, am I going to try him at 120 or 150? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but. I mean, a hundred yards. That's it. That's yeah. all they're good for. I don't care. I don't care what you, who you are, what you say. If you're, you know, shooting the average setup, hundred yards. Exactly, right average setup. Because yeah. there's new, them new muzzle. There's some new stuff that you can get, and I mean, they shoot about as better than a rifle, really. Oh yeah. yeah. But Bradley, uh, you want to say something? I've yeah, I, just, I was looking up the velocities of a hundred grains of powder with the different, you know, weights of bullets yeah. and the average for, you know, hundred grains of powder and a 50 caliber bullets, about 1600 feet per second out the barrel. And, you know, you, I shoot a 243, which is really small caliber rifle for a deer hunting, but it, I started shooting a sucker when I was in seventh grade. And I've just kept with it, but the average velocity, you know, that velocity coming out the barrel was 3000 feet, you know, it's like 3,600 yeah. feet per second. So the yeah. velocity difference, you're going to have a ton more knockdown power, even with a hundred grain bullet compared to a 240 grain bullet, it's going to be way different. Now, granted, you know, people always say the bigger the bullet, the more knockdown power. That's why people shoot 45s over nine millimeters. 
But to be honest with you, I think speed makes way more of a difference than anything when it comes to a rifle. And that's why I would definitely agree with you, Ryan, when you say 100 yards is max, definitely when you're shooting 100 grains of powder. Now, if you can stuff a third one down in there, you know, and get 150 grains of powder, you up that to about 2,300 feet per second, and you have a lot better chance. But then you're also dealing with the things kicking your shoulder off. And so, I mean, it's just, I was just looking at that. I was just, I didn't even realize how slow muzzleloaders were until that. And then, you know, at, at 200 yards, your muzzleloader with 100 grains of powder and a 240 grain bullet, like I shoot, it's dropping 17 inches at 200 yards. Yeah. And losing how much velocity about, at that point? You're about down, you're almost under a thousand, uh, under, it's like right at 900, a thousand feet per second at, at 180 yards. With yeah. 200 at that and, point, and you can always jump the bullet. Yeah. Well, and I was about to say, and think about it, a bullet at that point isn't even sharp. No. It ain't like an arrow that's got a sharp point. I mean, think about it like this. Take your fist and try to punch a board. It, it, you know, you can swing as hard as you can, and you're not going to go through it. But then take, a, take a, a, a pencil or a pen, let's say, and swing it at that board. It's going to stab into that board. You know, same, it's the same thing what Bradley's talking about. Just, you know, it's a whole smaller object, but when you, when you, you know, it can go through better. Yeah. And also back to your deer story. Like when you were telling me your deer story, so I, you know, you called me the day, right, right after you shot it and mm -hmm. I was pumped and everything. And then I didn't hear from you until the next morning when I woke up and I was watching my boys and didn't get to, you know, it was a Sunday morning at that point. And you, all, all I got was a, a text message with the blood that you found right before you started yeah. in bank, man. And, you know, and that was, and you told me you didn't find him. And I was like, well, what the heck? If there's that much blood at 800 yards into the track, yeah. like, he's got to be dead. And so I was kind of really frustrated with you because I was like, dude, why yeah. didn't you find the dang deer? Yeah. You know, after hearing your story, you know, you told me Sunday afternoon, we got to talk. And I was like, yeah, it kind of eased my frustration because I was like, at that point, I would have been the same way. I was like, you're not going to find the deer. Definitely. I mean, you could have possibly, but it would have, you know, you could have tracked him for another 800 yards. Yeah. He, he may be dead somewhere, but you never, I mean, to be honest with you, though, at that point, I think you did it justice looking. And that's just like my buddy, he, his dad shot a deer on Monday with the muzzleloader and he's got the same muzzleloader that I do. It's a traditions, you know, $200 muzzleloader. It's a great muzzleloader. And we, uh, iron sights on it. And he shot the deer at 40 yards and the same exact thing happened. He found pretty good blood for, you know, four or 500 yards into the track. And then, you know, find it started finding drips and never found the deer. But when he shot the deer, it dropped dead in its tracks, laid there for a minute, got back up, like a mule kicked, dropped got back up and ran and never bedded down or nothing, just found solid blood for, you know, a solid three, 400 yards, and then never found another drop of blood. And they mm -hmm. went out the next day and looked for, you know, they probably spent a solid four or five hours looking for that deer and never found it. And I think the same, I think what happened there is it was just a high shot, just hit yeah. above the shoulder. Yeah. Make it bleed that good red blood, but not kill the deer. Yeah. Sounds like, especially being the deer dropped, I actually shot one in Texas one time. It was like, yeah, it was, it was high on the shoulder, high behind the shoulder, whatever. It's kind of no man's land. The deer dropped in his tracks and, um, I thought he was dead, but like we're high fiving and 10 minutes goes by deer job jumps up, takes off running mm -hmm. and he ended up dying. But, you know, it was with, this was with a rifle. So, you know, he did end up dying, but, uh, you know, it was one of them deals. I think just the impact kind of shook his vertebrae system shook, off and it just yep. stunned him. And then when yeah. he kind of came back too, he hit the road. But uh, you know, you, you don't see that as often with a muzzleloader out there, two or three hundred yards. I mean, they're they're either going to do like Jeremy's deer did; they're either going to run like hell, or 
they're going to they're going to be dead there in just yeah. a few yards. But we'll see, yeah, it like, seems like with the muzzleloader, more times than not, they run and run and run and yeah. run. Uh, well, Cooper White shot that big deer uh, yeah. four or five years ago. Same deal as yours. Tracked it. Of course, they went across multiple properties and maybe yeah. even a county line tracking this thing, and it bled the whole time. And they saw it like the next morning. Chase jumped it up out of its bed and it took off running and never to this day still have never seen that deer again. Well, uh, but at what point did they bleed out? I mean, if I bled yeah. that much, I'm gonna be pretty that, lightheaded. I ain't gonna lie, I was lightheaded coming up that hill, you know. Yeah, so. yeah you ain't yeah. lying. Well, see, the, the other thing that I think about too is you don't realize how tough these animals are until situations like this, especially this time of year. Because they are all rutted up. They are, you know, hormones, their testosterone is pumping. Yeah. And they got so much willpower to live, especially right now, that them deer, they're harder to kill. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. with, you know, I mean, not necessarily to see, but after impact. Yeah, and, just you know, to kill. Yeah, yeah. Forget yeah, seeing them. Just kill them. Yeah, to physically yeah. kill the deer in hand to hand yeah. combat with them. They're tough. I agree. Yeah. You ain't lying. Um, you know, if if that would have been if that would have been if you could have shot that deer back in September and what is our archery season, he yeah. wouldn't have went that far. No way. Yeah. Exactly. He laid there within fifty yards. I, I agree. But I mean that's November for you here yeah. in North Carolina. Yeah, it exactly. Not North Carolina anywhere, but um well, here's a, here's a, well, Ryan, you just, you just shot a deer with your muzzleloader two nights ago. No, yeah, two nights ago, right? Two nights ago. Yeah, sure did. So how far of a shot was that? hundred yards. hundred yards. And it might've been 99 yards, but yeah, hundred yards. <laughs> Where did you hit that deer? I hit him right behind the shoulder. He was quartering to me. Um, the bullet didn't come out. It broke through on the second side of rib cage on the second side, but, but it, it was in the skin. skin. We, but we picked it out of the edge of the skin. Yeah. We skinned the deer. Um, but, uh, you know, it was kind of, he was quartering to me. I shot him on the deer. It would have been the deer's right side that I shot him on. Um, and it, you know, came out, went through a lung and uh, livers and all that, and kind of came out midways back in his rib cage on the, on the other side. But he was not, you know, a rifle would have shot on through him obviously um but the deer was not quartering to me that hard from where i shot him where impact went in it went in right where i pulled the trigger i mean it was yeah. within two inches of where i was i would maybe not even two inches it, I mean, it was all over where yeah. i had the crosshairs when i pulled off on him um but where it came out the angle it came out on but or essentially came out on was vastly more than the deer was quartering to me. So it got in there and hit some ribs hit, and hurt pretty yeah. hard. Um, I don't think that would have happened with a rifle. Um, yeah. I think it came on through. But uh, it, that deer, it was the same, the same deal as yours. Um, so I shoot, and uh, you know, I, I never even got worked up. I actually I actually thought the deer was a different deer. Um, you know, I actually thought it was one of the deer that I'd been on a wild goose chase on tracking through the woods um, that had shown back up. And I thought, man, God, that's that deer. And at that point in time, I felt like I had to shoot him, you know, because I was like, oh, he's wounded. He's already been shot once. He's not going to live. I'm going to shoot him. Um, but anyway, long story short, I pulled the trigger. I felt good about it. And in the millisecond that all that happened, you know, things go through your mind. Just, oh, yeah. 
<laughs> instantaneously. A lot does instantaneously. Yeah. I heard the impact. Same deal. Yeah. Just yeah. I said, okay, that's I hit him. I knew that much. I either hit him or a tree, and there's no trees around. So yeah. I hit the deer. And uh I get down, you know, I'm thinking about this, and I'd kind of taken note of everything that had gone on for everybody else. I said, don't get too carried away too soon. But I did walk up there to where the deer was standing mm -hmm. and I found some blood. And actually the first bit of blood I found had a chunk of meat tied to it. And I said, Oh uh -oh. Yeah, uh -oh. yeah. That that was my first thought. <laughs> I was like, this isn't going to be good. And I was like, Oh, small. There you go. That's a muzzle lighter for you. Merry Christmas. You know, <laughs> happy new year too. And, uh, I was like, well, it wasn't but probably 20 yards to the wood line, and I was in the field. I was like, there's no sense in trying to track this blood through the field here over to the wood line. It's green grass. It's sagey. You know, tracking blood in the field can just be a nightmare. I said, I know roughly where the deer went in the woods. I said, just walk over there. I wasn't going to go in the woods. So I'd already made up my mind on that, but I would walk over there just to see if on the off chance I could see what kind of blood trail. It had been far enough at that point in time that deer would be bleeding fairly good and i said let's just look and see if he's bleeding good or not and that'll tell me what i need to know and i get over there and and from there the deer was only laying like 30 yards down there in the woods so i could see him and he was dead you know he'd already died but uh you know really didn't bleed all that much even even at 100 yards you know i mean i yes was there a blood trail could i track it could i have found him yeah but i mean i walked over there and i could see yeah them. you could see him it yeah. worked out but i mean it was you know it was mighty nerve-wracking when i saw that meat up there i'm like you know oh, man yeah here here we are muzzleloader again you know but yeah there's a pro and a con to it i love muzzleloader hunt it's my favorite time to hunt those two weeks um you know if, if they were a little more deadly I'd probably hunt with one year around. Um, I don't think, you know, maybe you guys disagree with me or agree. I'm not sure how you, where you guys stand on this, but I don't think the shot from a muzzleloader affects deer near as much as a rifle. I mean, especially where I was hunting on that farm there, they don't hear the shots as much as they do right here around my house. There's tons of shooting that goes on around the house. It's kind of normal now, unfortunately, but, um, out there they don't hear that very often and that to me it seems like i've noticed that just you know one of the pros of a muzzleloader is is the shot doesn't bother the deer um yeah. i actually 20 minutes after getting that deer out of there and getting on the road i had deer right back in front of a camera within yeah. 30 yards where i just you know shot him and um it, it didn't seem to phase them and i've shot deer out there with a rifle and it seems like there's two weeks goes by before you ever yeah. see a deer again you know so um there's a pro and cons to it i actually shot a deer out there at the same farm a couple of years ago shot at one and missed him clear as day for whatever reason muzzleloader just slung it that day and three days later i go back in there and kill him um mm. and I don't, I don't you know i wholeheartedly believe that that opportunity wouldn't have come if i'd have done that with a rifle i think that deer yeah. would have I mean, it's just a different crack when that rifle goes off versus that muzzleloader. Yeah, it, I'll say this. When, about blow you out of the stand when a rifle goes off. Yeah, when I shot the other day, which you, you know what field I, I was, which you both do, you know, it's a long, long field. And so oh, yeah. that, that shot, like, echoes, 
in that yeah. direction for sure. It echoes because it's, you know, mm-hmm. the creeks down the bottom, you got a big hill on the other yeah. side and your shot really echoes in there, which I think is why I can hear the sound of it hitting the deer so good out there. Um, Cause like the buck I killed last year, I, I shot it at the other end, 250 yards. And I heard it, I heard it hit that deer too. And that was with the rifle. But um, what I'm, what I'm going with this is when I shot, you know, the same thing, what you was talking about, you know, you shoot and then it almost like everything kind of goes black for a second mm-hmm. in the moment. And as soon as that moment's over, reality all sets back in and you, you really can, you really can fine tune everything that's going through your head. And one of the things that went through my head is the way my gun sounded, um, you know, cause like when you're target shooting, you don't really think about it. It's just loud. You know, you might have earplugs in and all that, but when you're hunting, you don't. And the sound that it makes that that muzzleloader makes, it is a completely different sound than a rifle oh, yeah. or a shotgun. It is. It's got I'm a crack like- to it, but it's also got that boom too. Yeah. And I think that like, I don't know, it's, it's different. A hundred percent. It's a hundred percent different. I, you know, I heard, I actually hunted tonight and, um, I heard a shot somewhere. Um, had it have been a rifle, I probably could have told you exactly where it came from. But I thought I was about know, to say it's it was a muzzle loader. I just didn't know where it came from. It, you know, they almost sound muffled to a degree. And, yeah. um, when the deer that was shot across the road from me, um, the other day, I guess it would have been opening weekend, um, opening Saturday that afternoon when that deer was shot. I knew exactly who shot just because I've hunted out there a long time. But it, it's only like 400 yards, even though it's across a hard service road. It's only like 400 yards to his tower. I mean, maybe a little further, but uh, had it have been a rifle, my heart would have skipped a beat yeah. when he fired off. You know, I'd have thought he was sitting right beside me with a muzzle loader. I heard it. That's all I did was hear it. Yeah. Didn't really spook me or rattle me, but yeah. you know, 400 yards. If somebody fires off a 300, it's gonna sound like he's sitting right beside you. And yeah. those muscle loaders, they just don't do it. Um, well, which, is, which is good in a yeah. way, but well, you know, prime example of the noise is, um, when me and dad are hunting, you know, dad's over at Sammy's and I'm at, at my place, we can hear if one of us shoots. I've yeah. done it with, with dad, shooting, or with a rifle. With a rifle. Yeah, I, I've heard dad shoot, you know, dad be text me. He'll be like, I'm about to, I'm about to shoot. Boom. Yeah. I, I'll hear it. Now I don't get, like you said, it's, I mean, it don't startle me. I mean, it ain't like it's next door, but I can that's hear a, it. That's a, that's a long, that's a mile, mile. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and the same thing for him, he's heard me shoot, but the other, I asked him if he heard me shoot and he said no with the muzzleloader. Yeah. yeah it's, it's it is. I think it's a whole lot more muffled. It is. It is. And and there and there's a pro to that, you know. That's definitely one of the you know, we were talking about some of the negatives of these things, yeah. some of the positives. Um, you know, there there's that that's definitely a big positive for me. Yeah. You know? Being Muslim season so early for us, you know, yeah. We want to go in there firing off three hundreds and yeah. Real quick I wanna loop back around real quick before we get into anything else you talked about how on your deer that you shot your bullet didn't go all the way through and you found it in the skin on the opposite side Mm -hmm. and that's another thing that i don't like about muzzleloaders is they don't 
pass through a lot of times. And I think it goes back to velocity and the size of the bullet. Yeah, the bullet's huge. Exactly. I mean, it's it. There's a lot, and well, for Ryan, I mean, think about it. For you, the only bones that were in there were rib bones where you shot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What I didn't go through shoulder. I'm just sitting here thinking of some of the deer I've killed with a muzzleloader. I don't know that, and I and I've killed some deer like forty and fifty yards with these things, and it not go through almost crossbow range. Yeah, and I don't think I might be missing one here, but. In the last five years, I, I can't think of one deer that it went through. Yeah, I, I don't. I, actually, I know it has. I've, I've found the bullet in every one of them. Yeah, that, that I've killed like four or five. Which, years. which hurts. That's what a lot of people don't understand. Is most of the time, most of your blood is going to come out of your exit Thank hole. You. Yeah, that's right. You know, and so, you know, that's the same thing with shooting a bow. If you don't get good penetration. There's a lot of times not that good of a blood trail because there ain't there's only one hole for it to come out. Yeah. You know, and and I and most of the time you're sitting in a stand, so your 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 trajectory, a lot of times your your exit hole is going to be lower. Mm-hmm. So your blood's going to come out of that exit hole, and that's a, I think that's a big downfall that's for shooting buzz loader is your, your there's no exit hole. Yeah, I yeah. shot in the neck last year. wasn't I was trying to shoot it in the shoulder, and it ended up in the neck somehow at forty yards, and it still didn't even come through. It didn't even all go through the neck. Yep. There ain't hardly no bones in the neck other than you know the spine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. spine. It's a it's a big bullet, you know, but it just kind of limps along going out there after him. It's not. Oh any, yeah. Like I I didn't know the numbers on it. I've never paid any attention to it, but uh, I was it was. When Bradley just brought that up, the you know the numbers on it, um, that it is shockingly slower than I anticipated yeah. it being. Yeah, I thought it, was which I'm, I probably should have known that, but you know, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, but I do have um, one question for Bradley here yeah, before we finish. So you you had mentioned you you hunted with that two forty three for years and years and years. So I I did. I've lo- I've actually lost deer from them. I don't care for it at all. That's what I started hunting with. Um, but you and another person that I know love them. Obviously, you've hunted with it for seven years. I mean, um, I've just shot deer with them, and they not bleed, and and actually found the deer dead within a hundred yards of where I shot them, but just no blood. I mean, do you, I mean, what do you, what do you, th- what are your thoughts on? I mean, have you had that happen? You know, I'm just gonna answer this for him. Bradley's just a straight killer with that 243, <laughs> and they don't go. They just nowhere. pile up. Yeah, yeah. they don't. So the the reason I like a 243 has everything to do with the fact that it's, you know, comparative to a 223 when you're sh- kick wise. And so, like, when you're shooting the thing, I can literally, I go out and I'll shoot my rifle during the summertime when I'm bored or whatever. I just go out and shoot my rifle at, you know, 50, 60, 80, 100 yards. And I can just shoot, you know, 20, 30 rounds and not feel a thing. And so I've gotten yeah. really good at shooting it. So I, I'm really deadly out to 100 yards, but I wouldn't say past that. I've never shot a deer past 100 yards with it. But yeah. so that's one reason why I really like it because I can shoot it. And I, I, when I put pick up a 270 or 30-06, you know, my first thing is I squeeze that trigger and I flinch because I, I'm ready for that recall. But with a 243, yeah, I don't do that. And so, but I had, so the last year that I killed with my 243 was at 40 yards in the woods from a stand. And the exit hole was the size of a, I mean, the entry hole was the size of a softball, but there was no exit hole at 40 yards. 
Well, and if it's the size of a softball going in, I don't guess you need an exit. No, I didn't. Either. I mean, that deer only ran 25 yards. I mean, yeah. it didn't go nowhere. But, like, just the fact that it still didn't even have enough power to exit at 40 yards. And so, I mean, I, I know there's a problem, but my thing is, is, like, I don't shoot out past 100 yards with it because where I hunt, I literally don't have the ability to shoot past 100 yards because I don't see – I can't see a deer past 100 yards. So, that's why I like it mainly for the fact that I, I'm really comfortable with my gun. And I've, I've literally shot the same rifle since I was in seventh grade. It was the first rifle I've ever owned. And so I'm really comfortable with that. If, if a deer was, is within 100 yards, I know I'm going to hit where I want to hit as long as the scope's not busted. And But, yeah, I'm, I'm with when it comes to, like, the power of the rifle, I think a 243 honestly is a little underpowered for even deer unless you put that bullet right where you need to put it. Right. Which well, you I know, was... if, when confident, you know, you were talking about being comfortable with it. Um, I have a couple rifles that I'm, I'm, I'm like you, like, I, I trust them. It's a trust deal for me. Um, I know when I pull the trigger, that's exactly where it's going. Yeah. And to me, that's a, that's a big deal because sometimes you don't necessarily get the best shot and you have to find the best shot based off what you're given and you have to put it there. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you've got a window or a hole, you know, an eight inch hole to hit this deer through and you don't know where it's going when you pull the yeah. trigger. You might end up hitting oak tree beside it, and you'll never see him again. But yep. you know, if confidence is a big deal and trusting your gun, so I, I get it. You know, if I had a two forty three that I trusted a little bit more, I might would hunt with it. But yeah. uh, you know, I think it just worked out for me that it's been the three hundred for the last few years. Um, I actually last year I hunted with a six point five. I really like it. But, mm. uh, Speaking of that, it's a gun I really want to buy. So yeah, I, I, I'll vouch for it. It's a good gun. Very good. Dude, gun. Berkeley. That's what I got. Berkeley last year. It was a six five. It's a compact. It's not a youth. It's a compact, but it's the same size as a youth. Is it a Thompson? And, no, it's a uh, Savage. Okay. Yep. And dude, that thing is a tack driver. Berkeley killed oh, yeah. two deer with it last year and dropped both of them. Yeah. Which I mean, the first shot was probably like I don't know seventy yards, and the second one was about eighty yards. And dude. He dumped them, yeah, and I love, I love it. To be honest, I'm thinking about taking it Saturday morning. Yeah, sure. But um, anyways, before we get off on that whole tangent, on the, on the, on the confidence thing, real quick, I was listening yeah. to the story from Michael Waddell. He was talking. Him and T Bone did a podcast right before deer season actually started, and they were talking about T Bone. If if you know anything about the bone collector, T Bone is a bow guru. Dude, you know, he was a national champion when it comes to bow shooting. So he is really like tedious about he's really he likes to have his bow absolutely dialed in every single thing, he likes to have it tuned absolutely perfect. And Michael Waddell is on the completely opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, he'll shoot arrows with one fletching on them, just and but Michael Waddell hardly misses any deer. He hardly, you know, he recovers a lot of his deer. And he said back when they were really young and first starting the bone collector, that T Bone used to be like, I don't know how you kill so many deer. And it was, and T Bone finally said, he said, it just boils down to the fact that you were confident that that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna hit where you're aiming. And it had yeah. nothing to do with the fact that his bow was tuned, but it was all in the fact that he knew that when he when he pulled the trigger on his finger trigger, that he was gonna That's hit. And it's it was all confidence. It had nothing to do with how good that bow was tuned, and it it made a huge difference in Michael Waddell's career because I mean that's he just grew up. He was like he just grew up shooting everything with the bow. And so just he knew that when he pulled that trigger, it was going to go, whether it had one fletching on that air or had three fletchings on it, it was going to go. And that they just they talked for like 30 minutes about how big a confidence comes when you're making that shot. Because, you know, in that moment, 
when you only have that 10 seconds you were talking about earlier to make that shot. And when you have that confidence, you know, it, you're, you have a lot better chance. Makes it a lot easier. Absolutely. Um, well, let's go to some pros. I know we've kind of hit on this a little bit, but pros of the muzzleloader. And I'm going to go outside of the muzzleloader, but I think the biggest pro for us, and I, when I say us, I'm talking about us three and everybody right here in Central North Carolina, is the timing yeah. that our black powder season is. Because if you ask anybody, the two weeks, which we now get two weeks, it used to only be one week, yeah. But the two weeks that we get for black powder is some of the best hunting to kill a good deer. I mean, for for right here. And that's the thing is, you know, everybody is either been bow hunting or hasn't been bow hunting. And I mean, for me, I'm like, yes, it's time. I get to put some powder and lead in my hand and get that little bit more distance and all that stuff. You know, I can you know, I don't have to be as quiet. I don't have to be as still, you know, just all that stuff. And I'm like, yes. And my, and just the time of year that I'm sitting out there is just pristine. I mean, it is pristine to be out there during those two weeks, which which then flips back around to our last podcast that we did with Philip when we were talking about the, what was going on with the deer and all that stuff. And Philip made a great point which goes right along with me Saturday. Yeah, it's supposed to be 80 degrees. It's warm and all that stuff. But Philip said, this time of year, your best friend is to go get in the deer stand. No Mm -hmm. matter the weather, no matter anything like that, go get in the deer stand right now. And it was prime example. I haven't seen that buck since September 28th. The only deer I seen that evening was that big buck that I haven't seen in over a month. And it was 80 the last November, deer North I expected to, to walk out was was that deer. Just got to be in the – I got another pro. Yeah. So, last year I killed a muzzleloader buck. And if I would have had a bow in my hand, I wouldn't have been able to pull the shot off because I was walking through the woods. Me and It was me and another guy. We were walking through the woods. I had seen a bucket uh, – a, a nice buck and a spike chasing a doe. 150 yards away from where I was at. So I was like, you know what? It's closer to the house. Let's just head, start heading back towards the house. As we walk in, we're just, you know, make our way really slowly and we'll just hit the grunt call every couple steps and see what happens. Well, that deer ended up, we had, we hit the grunt call. We had stopped behind a tree and then that deer all of a sudden come out of a bedding area running straight towards us. And if I'd had a bow in my hand, there's no way I could have drawn back, got the bow on him and pulled, you know, pulled the trigger in time to get that shot off. But with the muzzleloader, Although it's still a muzzleloader, all you got to do is pull that, you know, pull the hammer back and pull the trigger and your shot's off. And that yeah. that's a huge pro when it comes to, you know, hunting in general. I mean, sometimes you only have a couple seconds to squeeze that trigger. And when it, it, make, it can make a huge difference having a gun as opposed to a bow. Oh, yeah. I think um, talking about what you were saying about the time of the year, um, it's most certainly – some of the best two weeks, and I would even say the last week of bow seasons, just oh, yeah. as good. Um, but you know, for in years past, um, I would say really before they gave us our second week, so yeah. think back to then, um, hunting with a muzzleloader was a game changer because you went from basically 
looking for something within 30 yards to – I'm still going to throw this number out there, 150. Yeah. I've still yeah, seen, I mean, I've seen them killed at 150 yeah. yards. But, okay, you've – you know, realistically, you've gone from 30 yards to 100. Yeah. You know, that's that's a very effective range there for a muzzleloader. Um, you know, I, and I only say that now is – because really ever since we got our second week of bow season – or muzzleloader, excuse me – there's been uh, some crossbow manufacturers that have come out that claim you can kill them at 100 yards. Um, you know, Ravens mm. <laughs> claims you can do it. Um, you know, so if that's true, I would never try it. If that's true, um, crossbow's probably just as good. But, you know, just the range that they give you. I mean, to, to have a deer at 30 yards versus 100 yards is – you know, to have him at 100 yards is a whole lot easier to do than than 30. Um, yeah. you know, I feel like there's a window in there between like 30 and 50 yards that the deer's still probably going to pick you up if he's downwind of you. Um, but I can't tell you how many deer I've killed at 100 yards that were dead downwind of me, and I'll be sitting in the stand with a pizza box, you know, eating some Papa John's, and the sucker won't even well, pick his head up. It goes back to this time of year. I really think. I'm not saying you need to completely throw it out the window, your wind and stuff, but this time of year, them bucks are. They got one thing on their mind. Exactly. And that's it. And, you know, and it goes back to the same thing. Just get your butt in the stand and and go. You hadn't mentioned temperature. It was hot that day. I mean. It was uh, 81 degrees Saturday. Yeah, it it was warm. Which is abnormal for here for this time of year. I hear people a lot make the comment that, man, they can't wait for the next cold snap. Well, that's all fine and dandy if you're dragging the deer out of the woods because you ain't going to be wringing wet. But temperature, um, I'll be the first one to argue with anybody on this, that temperature does not affect a deer coming into uh, into heat, a doe. It has nothing to do with it. It's the amount of daylight that she perceives in a day's time. It's just like cows and horses. They're animals. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, a cow and a horse and a deer, they're all animals. And that's what triggers it in cows, horses, a lot of different animals is the amount of daylight um, th- that they see. So when the days start getting shorter, deer are going to start coming into heat. It doesn't yep. matter if it's 100 degrees. You know, you can put yep. them on the surface of the moon. If their days get shorter, they are uh, they're, they're just it's Mother Nature working there. They're coming into heat. You know, it doesn't matter. Which I what think the temperature is. I mean, temperature is good to a degree. Um, I, and I, I say the temperature is only good because it helps the deer smell better when it's colder out. It can smell a little better than when it's hot. I think the temperature just helps them move better in the daylight. Helps them do more. Yeah, it when, does. There's definitely more the deer Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's during, not making them come into heat. That's, no, a, that's, no, that's the most not a bit. thing theory on no. the planet yeah you know people are like well rut's gonna be longer because it's warm or later because it's warmer this year yeah. no yes no yeah yeah and it has absolutely nothing to do with temperature yeah but so anyways tonight was kind of uh i guess a sob story for me um and we just been you know ryan was there on to help me track and stuff so there was a lot of conversation while we were tracking that deer and after we tracked that deer and heck the days after all week we've been talking about it and you know there's been a hundred different scenarios going through my head of of where i possibly exactly hit that deer you know and 
and my buddy Rob, he, he made a comment to me and he said, uh, he was like, well, you must not have put a good shot. And I argued with him. I was like, no, I'm telling you it was a good shot. And he was like, well, the deer's not dead or what? Well, you didn't find the deer. So must not have been that good a shot. And I argued with him. I kind of got upset. I ain't even going to lie to you. And, for you. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's what I told him that I was like, it's that daggone muzzleloader. I was like, I yeah. hate him. And I can't tell you how many times I've said that since Saturday, no. but it still goes down to shot placement honestly it really does and that's one thing i think that you just need to really think about when you got that muzzleloader versus your rifle is all right i really need to make a good shot on this deer for this gun to be able to do what it's supposed to do yeah yeah you, and, you have to yeah yeah and i think that's what it boils down to so to go They're back a lot less forgiving than a rifle exactly and to go back, I, I guess I made a bad shot. And it could have been a bad shot by three inches. That, that, a, that a rifle would have dropped yeah. him in his tracks, possibly. You know, if I did hit him straight in that shoulder and it just didn't go through, that rifle would have went straight through his shoulder and he wouldn't have went nowhere. I remember texting you that night while you were hunting. I was hunting, too. Yeah. And, uh, actually, I take that back. Um, it was after that. It was uh, the night – uh, two nights ago or three nights ago, whenever it was, when I killed that deer. Yeah. Um, texting you saying, man, I, I'm really dreading yeah. having to shoot something with this thing. I hope I don't have to. And well, you, you said that you have it. Yeah. I was just, just the way it worked out. That's muzzleloader for you in yeah. North Carolina. But, you know, you asked me as soon as I shot or told you about it, you were like, how far was it? I said, 100 yards. That, like, that's the range. I'd text you before I ever shot that yep. deer. I said, like he's gonna have to be within 100 yards after seeing yeah. what happened to my buddy out there and your deer and uh another guy's deer like it's, it's 100 yards that's it yeah even that makes me nervous i know <laughs> i'm more that, nervous about what the muzzleloader is gonna do than the, getting excited about the deer and and i'm sure we're gonna have some some heat on this podcast because i mean don't get me wrong i've had heat this week just from telling people about it and stuff and they're just you know, not dogging me or anything, but they're, they're just like one. Well, yeah. Cause they're like, well, I love my muzzleloader. I'd about rather take it than my rifle. I know and, a lot of guys like that. I know guys you know, that shoot them 200 yards year after year after year. I yeah. Just, don't make any sense. And you know, but it, it literally boils down to shot placement. It really does. And is a muzzleloader a bad thing to go hunt with? No, I don't want to, you know, steer you away from picking up the muzzleloader or anything like that, because I mean, you can kill deer with it, especially this time of year. I mean, you know, Ryan killed deer. I've, I've killed deer with it. Uh -huh. You know, I mean, it's, it will kill deer, but it's, it's killed a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. Actually, um, most of, most of the ones I've killed, I was thinking about that too, while you guys were talking earlier, uh, I think you were talking, but, uh, I would say from a percentage standpoint of the deer I've killed, I would say 80 to 85% of them have all been killed with a muzzleloader. Yeah. So it's what does that tell you about our two weeks? It's perfect. That's when yeah. you have to go. That's yeah. when you go. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I mean, I've, yeah, I mean, I've killed a few with a rifle, but most of them it's muzzleloader. That's just when you go. That's. I, I, I wanted to make one more comment before we, before we end this. Um, another thing. 
that I know is hard for people, it's hard for myself, is that we only get two weeks with the muzzleloader. So it's hard to go and spend the money to get a better scope, to make sure you got good bullets, to make sure that you're, everything is all good and ready to go. Because I'm not going to lie, I've done it before. I've put the muzzleloader up at the end of the two weeks and not pick it back up until a week before the next season and be like, oh, crap. I never, un- I never unloaded it. And, is it, and it's so bad on on a on a black powder gun to leave all that in there. I'm I'm gonna counter you there on that just a little bit, and we'll leave it at that, and we can be done with it. But if we all agree that it's our best two weeks, yeah, that's where I was going with it. Or is it that hard to really not spend that extra money? What at what yeah. point does the thousand dollar rifle and scope do you any good if you're not going to use it at all or ever pull the trigger? So. Yeah. That's where that's where I was going with what it's a, I was it's saying. It's a fine line there. It's hard to make yeah. yourself do it knowing you're only going to do it for two weeks. Two weeks. But if but when it statistically it's the best tells you weeks. that's the time to do it, yeah, you know, I don't know. But I'm like you. I'm 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 like you. I don't I don't shoot anything a fancy muzzleloader. I think my muzzleloader costs like three hundred bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. If it had a rifle would have been six or seven hundred. Yeah, exactly. I have one more thing too. With so like, take bow season for instance. How yep. many of you guys go out there in bow season and? Don't shoot your bow, but one time before the season. Yep. How many times do you go out there in muzzleloader season and you've only shot that muzzleloader one time going into the season? And I know, like, you shoot a gun a lot more than you say you shoot a bow most of the time, but still changing from gun to gun to gun, every gun's different, and every gun can be a little bit different. That trigger pull is going to be a little different. And so I think that part has a lot that pulls down to it, too, is, like, that muzzleloader, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I shot my muzzleloader one time just to make sure my iron sights were still good, you know, right before the season. But how many times have I shot my rifle? I mean, I've shot my rifle over probably three or 400 times, so I'm comfortable with that gun. But you give the muzzleloader in my hand, and I mean, I'd say I'm comfortable with it. I mean, I killed a deer with it. But when it all boils down to it, in the pressure situation, I don't have muscle memory on that muzzleloader trigger and, and all yeah. of that. And I think that yeah. has a lot to do with it, too. As it's, to it's, it's, it, that boils back down to trust there. You yep. know, like I, I shot my muzzleloader only once this year just to verify. Uh, yeah. Trust and verify. But uh, and I would shoot it more, but I mean, I clean it between every shot. Um, yeah. I'm, just, I'm very sensitive to my muzzleloader and how I handle them, um, because they're very sensitive to how you handle them. Um, yeah. but uh, you know, so I only shot mine once and it I, it was verification of where we left off last year, and I and I was good with it, but uh, you know, so it's there's there are a lot more work, so I, I could see why people don't shoot them 10 times an afternoon because it would take all day to oh, shoot yeah. them 10 times. If you really cleaned it truly right. the way you're supposed to, um, they're aggravating as hell. Well, before we get off here, I do have a little bit of Jesus for us tonight. Um, and it kind of goes along with, you know, with tracking that deer of mine and stuff like that. Um, let me say this first real quick. It is... Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And while that verse kind of hit me, um, is going along with, you know, when we were tracking that deer, is we'd be tracking blood, and we might would get off of it for a little bit. And it was so easy to lose that that blood trail it really is because it's pitch black dark it, you know 
10, 11 o'clock at night, you've been doing it. The excitement's there, but at the same time, you got the feeling of, are we going to find this deer? And it's so easy to get distracted and get off of the blood trail. But at the same time, it's so easy to get back on it once you come back to it and find it. And that just really, I felt like it went along with that because in order to get on you know the path that god is leading you to you have to trust in him and you have to trust in in everything that he's doing in your life to to stay on that path and when you try to this same thing as when that deer when you're sitting there going ryan prime example how many times we say well that deer had to go down this way and sure enough it would be it would take the opposite turn and it's so much like your walk in faith is you think that you need to go this way because you you get off track, you, you're not trusting God. And he's like, no, nah, buddy, we're going this way. You know, and, you know, just like tracking that deer, we're like, there's no way this deer went this way. Well, sure enough, next thing you know, we, we ain't found blood for five minutes. And we're like, well, let's just go check over there. Well, there's blood, <laughs> you yeah. know, and we're right back on the trail and there we go again. Um, I just thought that was good correlation right there of kind of your path with with your faith and everything of, of blood trailing a deer yeah, yeah there's tons of lessons to be learned from anything i know your podcast is called is it hunting and fishing with jesus or hunting uh, fishing and faith yeah with yeah and uh yeah it doesn't matter if you're hunting fishing whatever you're doing anything outdoor related there's tons of lessons in life that are thrown at you um doing it all and i've thought about it too you got to sit back and uh yeah I, i've thought about that night a lot and for ex- all the reasons you just said everything was a curveball that you know yeah. what thought was going to happen was not what happened and um they're all things that we learn from and you you know you, you can relate it to so many other things in life other than just hunting and tracking a deer absolutely you just never know what's going to happen and what's coming that's right just trusting god trust Yep. yep. Just trust in God because he's going to lead you down the right path yep. and the right, the right direction to go. Even when you don't think that that's the right direction to go. Sometimes it takes being slowing down and <laughs> backtracking. And, you know, yeah. you get to that point in life a lot where you're, you're moving so fast in life, definitely in our day and age, you know, with the internet and our phones and everything that's going on, you get moving so fast. And before you know it, you're off that blood trail, or you're off that path with Jesus and sometimes right. keep slowing down and backtracking, being like, okay, I've got to get back, you know, talking to Jesus and be like, I got to get back to where God's taking me because that's that's the only way I'm going to, you know, get to where God wants me to go. That's yep. the same blood trail. I mean, you get sometimes you'll get 10, 15, 30 yards off the trail. And you're like, All right, this ain't working. We got to backtrack. Let's go back to last blood and see where yep. we're going and find the right direction. Uh, yeah. And how many times did we do that the other night, Ryan? <laughs> 50? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> I, I, do. I wouldn't even want to put a number on it. Really. Yeah. Uh, Every time we lost blood for a millisecond, you know, yeah. so uh, it's yeah. countless amount of times. But you try not to think about all that. You just figure it out as you go along. I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind right. Of the way life is you just you know, trust the process, and it it all it always works out in the end. Uh, that's right. It's funny how it does, but it does. Well, I'm gonna pray for us right quick, uh, and then we'll close out. But uh, dear Lord, just thank you for tonight thank you for this podcast uh i want to thank you for ryan uh 
coming on here and and sharing his wisdom and and love for the outdoors and love for you god uh i just want to pray lord that you take this podcast and put it on the ears that you want uh want to be heard uh i just want to pray lord over our deer season and whatever we're doing in life lord i want to pray lord that we trust in you at the path that you're taking us on because uh, your path is the right path lord and if we get off of it at all that we that we turn back and backtrack and get back on to that last blood lord to get back on that trail uh just thank you lord for for always letting us come back to you to get back on that path uh we love you lord and just thank you for all that you do in your name i pray amen Amen. well uh you know thank you ryan for joining us tonight um i know ryan he he texts me often he's like when y'all gonna post another podcast (laughs) and then he was like let me get on there well then when we were doing the deer i said well here's a podcast for you bud we'll get we'll get you on there and yeah it worked out and it actually worked out real good i thought this was a great (laughs) podcast tonight um i hope whoever's listening you know uh uh, we're, we're not trying to turn you away from black powder hunting by any means. We just want to share our experiences with, with you, um, the good and bad, because there's been both. Uh, so please, if you, if you don't black powder hunt, you know, give it a whirl, especially if you're right here in central North Carolina, because when I would black say powder, get comfortable before you give it a whirl, but most yeah, certainly, definitely. Most certainly it's, it's a good time to go yeah for sure um and if you don't you can still bow hunt during black powder here at least i know you can um so i mean be in the woods right now (laughs) it's a a good time to go um our rifle season actually comes in saturday the 12th i'm ready to get that rifle in my hand (laughs) but uh anyways thank you ryan i appreciate you joining us tonight i'm glad to do it i enjoyed it Maybe we'll do another one sometime. I actually have a other guy that you guys would really enjoy talking to. He's a interesting dude. Um, Who? Um, his name's Travis. Um, you probably you probably don't know him at all, but uh, he uh, a lot of people kind of laugh at him in the way he hunts to a degree. But uh, I'll tell you, he is brilliant when it yeah. comes to hunting. Um, he only almost always only archery hunts, and uh, some of the things he does is a little little off the spectrum you know compared yeah. to maybe the average hunter but uh <laughs> you know you can learn something from everybody he's very interesting that's right he would make he would make for a great podcast right. and, uh, we could do it you know, that'd be, after that'd the be season awesome. or something i mean you know, it, it would be a, one of those learning deals just for you pick his brain because it's, yeah uh, he's a inter- very interesting dude very knowledgeable guy i like him a lot respect him he's a good dude yeah for sure we could I, do I, it. I think he i think he listens to you guys actually and I, I know he's made a comment to somebody that he wanted to be on a podcast and he he'll be a good one. But yeah, uh, we could do it. Travis, sure. His name's Travis Way. Um all right. I'm gonna get some kickback from some of your listeners on on that, but he's a good dude. That's you'll all like, right. You'll well, like him a lot. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know Hunter Bradley much. I don't uh, yeah, maybe we'll get to do it sometime, but uh I I know you'll really find him interesting, Jeremy. Yeah, we can do it for sure. Well, uh Bradley, you wanna close this out? Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We'll holler at you next time.